Hello and welcome to Talking HE, my name is Santini Vassant. In this episode we'll be speaking to Tab Betts, a lecturer in higher education pedagogy at the University of Sussex. We'll be discussing what it's like to lead a large-scale scholarship of teaching and learning project. We hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, so my name's Tab Betts and I'm a lecturer in higher education pedagogy. I'm also a learning technology consultant and I co-run the Active Learning Network, which is uh, partly what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. But I'll let you say a bit more about that, Anthony. Thanks, Tab. Yes, I wanted to pick up on the Active Learning Network that you're co-leading and in particular your large-scale scholarship of teaching and learning project can you say a little bit more about that absolutely so one of the things that the active learning network does is is um it's you know it's a community where we share ideas around teaching and learning practice how to make it more inclusive how to make it more um, active and interactive and um we do these collaborative projects uh last year when we were still in lockdown um as a result of covid19 pandemic mm. We organise this global festival of active learning. I believe it's the world's first global festival of active learning. Um, and we we sort of themed it around um, an actual music festival vibe. So what we mm -hmm. did is um, rather than having kind of a traditional conference, it was uh, we had we organised it rather than online meetings for it, we had um, tents so there were different tents that you could go to and there were different events in in those different tents um and we also had a series of mosh pit activities so you know at, at a um, at a music festival you have uh, like a mosh pit where you know people are kind of dancing together and kind of pushing and back and forth and it's a little bit chaotic um mm. and so we wanted to capture that kind of celebratory um that kind of celebratory atmosphere, um, a kind of party atmosphere, because it, the world itself was almost the opposite of of uh, of a fun kind of playful place. It was it was a difficult time for lots of people. So, and nobody could go to these music festivals. So we thought, let's do something like that, and we use that metaphor as a way for us to have um, these collaborative asynchronous tasks that people could um, sort of contribute to and. Uh, the one that I thought would be great would be why don't we just set up a collaborative document and get a lot of people from across um, HE uh, to just put in some ideas um, about active learning. Yeah. So we just started with the idea of ideas for active learning, hmm. sent the link out and said you can put put in a hundred words of a summary of an idea um, that people could use in their teaching and learning practice. So that's how it began. Um, and Santini, you actually were one of the authors involved in, in the project. Yes, I was, yes. Um, and so why did you, why were you interested in contributing to it, would you say? 
I think it's just a fun thing to to do, really, and a kind of you know community uh, spirited thing. You know, I'm quite a fan of communities of practice and sharing ideas and you know getting involved. So I put something in um, based around um, this idea of you know writing two or true or false questions um, on on a variety of of topics um, that uh, that you can you know do that I've I've done with some of my uh, students in the past um as a way of you know contributing to it and then and seeing how that kind of develops yeah so it was, it was quite nice to to read other people's submissions as well in that collaborative document um as it was coming along and see who else was thinking of contributing or um, had contributed already yeah and i think that was one of the fun things actually because it was a collaborative document you could see it evolving right as it as it was happening um, when I set it up, I just thought it was a fun way for us to share, right? Because those of us who are involved in higher education, teaching and learning, you know, there's lots of different roles, people who are, you know, educational developers or learning technologists or academics who are teaching a particular discipline. Um, mm. There aren't always spaces for us to share across institutions. Um, and it's quite exciting to see what other people do. Um, so so we it was it was nice to see those ideas evolving but i i only expected maybe you know 15 or 20 people or something to you know put an idea in um and we ended up with about 120 yeah that's a lot well yeah especially because then we we had to go from that 100 word summary of an idea to developing it into a sort of mini chapter and so that was the that was the project essentially so who collaborated with you? Well, at the very beginning, it was very much, I just started spontaneously, you know, I'll set up a Google document, we'll send the link out, see what happens. And then, um, so I sort of started by driving it along and, and kind of prompting people to go to the next stage of it. But I, when I realised how many people were involved, I quickly realised it wasn't the job of one person to try to sort of oversee it. Um, mm. And I'm I'm a really big fan of this idea of distributed leadership. So um, I I think one of the one of the things that I hope to do with my contribution to HE is is to provide opportunities for people to take on leadership of things and to share leadership of things so that they can be active actively involved in shaping what he teaching and learning looks like mm. um and so what i tried to do is i i put um out a call for people to um to be kind of editors part of an editorial committee and again i thought maybe if i'm lucky i might get five people to sort of help me out with some yeah, of the work that's typical isn't it yeah yeah in the end there were about 40 people <laughs> who responded um, and we had we had probably probably about mm. 20 or 30 people that were kind of like quite actively involved in helping to edit the book that's great what's been one of the biggest opportunities and what's been one of the biggest challenges of leading a project like this i'd say that both the opportunities and the challenges were were pretty huge um much beyond what I thought they would be. So uh, for me, one of the biggest opportunities was, as you kind of just touched on, 
this idea of discovery because it, it was not only do we get to see such a breadth of ideas from different people from colleagues and, and see them evolving in real time but also I think it's really interesting when you embark upon something that is inherently uncertain when you don't know what the outcome's going to be there's that feeling of kind of exploring uncharted territory uh, because I I'm not aware of of another project I know there are there are lots of collaborative projects out there but I'm, I'm not aware of a project where you've got you know trying to manage over 100 chapters um, from something that was fairly spontaneous none of us who were involved in it uh, had direct experience of managing a publication of that that scope so yeah. that was that was exciting yeah. i think yeah yeah that, that, that's that's exciting and, and equally scary i guess as well to some extent yeah so that was i guess the, the like the sort of opportunity of it and, and also meeting new colleagues because we you know i got to know i mean one of the reasons you and i got to know each other a little better was was, was partly through that um, yes yeah that's right and and I met countless other colleagues as well. Um, you know, we ended up with satellite groups of the Active Learning Network in other countries. You know, now we 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 have satellite groups in in Greece and and Romania and China, and that was something that came out of this this project. And in terms of the challenges, it was pretty hard to manage so many people who were contributing simultaneously, and also with varying levels of comfort using online collaborative documents um mm. and uh as a participant you probably saw a little bit of the you know some of the challenges that came about as a result of that yeah the the emailing um of, uh, of various collaborative documents and um, templates and making sure that you know um, references were added um, to the chapters in a particular way and um, and then you know we we used uh, press uh, press books um, at Sussex um, which is the platform that, um, that the book um, is on so that was also something that I hadn't done before um, you know myself um, hadn't collaborated in that uh, it's a WordPress based um, press book um, platform so I hadn't used that before so there was there were quite a few um, you know new opportunities and learning opportunities for me as a as a kind of uh, you know small contributing author um, to the publication which was really was really nice to to do um, you know in, in amongst uh, the day job if you like. Definitely and and there was a learning curve for I think for all of us you know so yeah for me as well so like i'm a, i'm a very very heavy user of of google docs for example which is which is the you know the, the collaborative tool that we were using um and i'm sure you're pretty familiar with with that as well and use it mm. yeah. yeah um but i've i've never managed to break it before and um uh, yes we, we managed to actually break it which is which is i i took as a real achievement because um one of the things that I really like about Google Docs is, is how stable it, it generally is. And you can always recover things from the version history. Um, but at some point close to the deadline, we had so many people working in the document at the same time and so much content in that one document um, that it just completely crashed um, and no one could access it. Um, we thought we'd lost a lot of the information. Uh, 
luckily with hours of just refreshing constantly i managed to get back into the version history and recover it so that was good but that was a real challenge and, and something i was not expecting to actually um manage to push it to its limit yeah no i think i might be one of the authors complaining to you that i can't actually add my uh, my chapter into your publication um and uh that's right and actually i think that might have even been the thing that that started us talking to each other yeah i believe so yes yeah, yeah. so also sometimes out of these challenges you know positive things come out of it too so yeah yeah no how do you think this project will impact on the sector and people's practices one of the key things is it's about it's about seeing beyond institutional norms um it's about helping people to kind of see outside of just because things are done in a certain way in terms of teaching and learning, just because you were taught in a certain way, it doesn't mean that that's the only way. I like these kind of very open, inclusive, collaborative projects because I know that academia traditionally is about, you know, producing a very narrow output that is a very high quality that has been kind of peer reviewed and and only the, the kind of best expertise is included in it. I think that's valuable, but I think it's also equally valuable to be able to hear a diverse group of voices and perspectives because it can help you to stand outside your own limited perspective hmm. um yeah i totally agree yes I, I totally agree sorry yes yeah no no do you want to say anything about that um i think yeah that's something that you know i found as one of the contributing authors to kind of see who else was involved, as I said earlier, with the way in which um, those groups of people were coming together and um, and people who might not normally have contributed to any kind of publication whatsoever. Um, you know, my my roles in other areas of, of the HE sector, you know, especially with CEDAR and their educational developments uh, magazine, which is another kind of uh, publication where we, we try and get people from different walks of HE life to come together. And indeed, this podcast is, is an example of that kind of diverse um, perspectives on higher education um, from from this country and also other parts of the world that have contributed to to the podcast um, to date. So I, I, I share that kind of sense of, of inclusion um, within the um, within the HE space, because sometimes it can be quite exclusive for reasons of academic rigor or otherwise um, people just don't publish anything quickly enough yeah and i and again i think it's that thing of empowering people isn't it because um yeah i hadn't i hadn't quite realized the impact that it might have but i you know for example i saw a number of colleagues posting on linkedin or in other places or twitter saying about how this was the first time and they they'd ever contributed to a publication and how proud they felt to be part of it and and also just how grateful they were for the opportunity to me i just think that's such a that's such a powerful thing because because it also might give that person confidence to then you know go on to to maybe do further research or or you know publish other other work that they that they want to to get into so to me it's it, it i think the principles of active learning are actually pre precisely about this because it's about on the surface it might be you know about changing the kind of pedagogic approach that you're using mm. but i think deeper than that it's about 
creating a greater sense of equality um, in education and a greater sense of it not being a top-down process, it not being about um, an individual intelligence being greater than the collective intelligence. And there's 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 a lot of research recently that is is very powerful. Um, so there's a bit of research done by um, a group of researchers, Theobald et al. Uh, 2020, and they they talked about how active learning can narrow achievement gaps for underrepresented students in science, technology, and engineering and maths courses. And they 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 actually uh, included 44,000 students in the studies uh, in 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 the it was a kind of meta study of 26 studies and they found that the attainment gap was reduced 42% in terms of exam scores and 76% in terms of pass rates hmm. for for um in terms of non-minority minority students versus non-minority students that's a huge kind of narrowing of the gap and to me that's what we're doing not only with making a publication like this but also by promoting these kind of active approaches to to teaching and learning it makes he a place that is less exclusive and less kind of disabling for for a lot of people and disempowering for a lot of people mm. what lessons would you like to share with those embarking on a similar journey i would say start the journey even if you don't know the destination uh, i would say uh, ask for help and trust the power of distributed leadership because people will surprise you how much they're willing to step up and also what they can do if you just give them a space to do it um, and don't be afraid of kind of opening up and introducing uncertainty into into the process um, if you do try to do a similar project like this which I, I thoroughly recommend to anybody make sure you use a separate document for each chapter rather than trying to get everyone working in one document mm. uh, just because yeah you don't want to break google docs the way that we did um make sure you use you familiarize yourself um with the version history and you make use of that because it will enable you to recover things if if people accidentally delete something or or um mess things up in some way um Make sure you provide really clear guidance for the for any kind of um, feedback process or peer review process. Try to think about how we can move away from this kind of centralized approach to um, the management of knowledge in academia and towards hearing more voices and a more diverse group of perspectives. Because as we talked about, it's like it's very empowering for for people and it's empowering for you because you can you know we've we've got this echo chamber problem in social media and and in society generally right so i think mm. trying to do something like this allows us to break out of that a bit so when is the book ideas for active learning coming out yeah well the book is going to be coming out um very soon um and uh, we'll be sending out communications about that we would encourage uh, anybody who wants to get involved with the active learning network to get in touch um, our website is activelearningnetwork.com um, and you can email activelearningnetwork at gmail.com. May, maybe you want to take leadership and, and set up a satellite group in your institution or maybe you want to propose an activity, something like this. Um, we will 
welcome anyone with open arms and, and try to you know promote any kind of similar project that you might be interested in doing. Thank you to Tab Betts for his time. Coming up next time on Talking HE, we speak to Dr. Eleanor Forsako, Senior Teaching Fellow in the Graduate School at Imperial College London, and George Ferrer, Digital Learning Producer at Central St. Martin's University of the Arts, London. A preview coming up. An idea we had because we wanted to share uh, good practice uh, with other colleagues uh, who might be interested in uh, the examples uh, as well as uh, pros and cons of uh, the co-design approach. And uh, also because uh, our audience, uh, our students uh, are uh, not the, let's say, the common type of student. Absolutely. And um, uh, Santini, you'll know this, that Imperial is a, a, a sort of a, a, a group of very distinct uh, colleges, places. Uh, that you know the business school is is huge and does its own thing engineering though their own thing and then they kind of come together as as imperial college london but they're quite diverse in it, mm. their needs student populations etc so uh, that was um, a challenge and an opportunity because the graduate school needed to cater for a you know year three uh, doctorate student from the business school, as well as uh, uh, a one-year full-time master student from uh, medicine or something along those lines. And and these are, you know, even though under that umbrella, they're, they're quite a distinct group of people. And the, um, the, the book is from Learning in Higher Education School, Active Learning in Higher Education. And the All that and more in the next episode of Talking HE. Until then, thanks for listening. I've been Santanu Vasant, and this has been Talking HE.